What is up today's today crew? I hope y'all are having a phenomenal, phenomenal day. My name is Colton Chow. I'm the founder and CEO of the Today Today Movement, here to help you crush your goals more consistently by crushing them on a daily basis. If you like the sound of that, make sure you hit that subscribe button, make sure you share with a friend, and make sure you stay tuned and listen to this entire podcast because we're going to be laying out some amazing information for y'all. Make sure you have your notebooks out. If you're driving, please focus on the road. Then come back and take some more notes later. Today, I have got Justin with me. So Justin, why don't you go on and introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here. My name is Justin Stevens, and I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a visionary. I'm a dreamer. And what I do is I help other entrepreneurs figure out how to strategically grow their revenue. So business all comes down to money coming in. And I look at it as the point of the sphere is sales. And if you don't have a process around sales, you're not going to grow as fast as you could. So that's what I help people do is sharpen that, uh, sharpen that tip. That's awesome. That's awesome. How long have you been doing that for? So, um, gosh, there's a lot of ways I could answer this. I, <laughs> for the last 10 years, I ran a sales training franchise. Uh, I was owner in it and I sold my part of the business about a year ago to start my very own business doing the pretty much the same thing. So I've been doing it 10 years, doing it on my own in this form and fashion for about, about a year. That's awesome. Uh, no, it's really kind of funny. When people ask me, what do I do and how long have I been doing it? I've been coaching in some capacity for probably going on six, seven years maybe. Um, but as far as my own unique, you know, today's a day movement coaching, it's going on right about a year and eight months to almost two years now. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. And it's a whole other world too when you go from kind of a little bit more corporate or as a group on to your own and working fully as an entrepreneur so yeah. totally agree it's yeah. a, a here's the way i like to describe it is you are a lion rider so employees looking at you like if you go networking oh i run my own business they're like wow he runs his own business wow look at him he's riding a lion and then as the business owner you're like on top of this lion and you're looking around thinking how the heck did i get up here and when does it ever stop <laughs> oh man that, that's hysterical that's the first time i've ever heard um that terminology lion rider that's that's super cool so what's one of the areas that you focus in with your clients to helping them either lay the foundation for their sales process scaling up their sales process where do you kind of like to start with them so great question. Uh, there are four major account types that any company has uh, marginal account, secondary growth account, primary growth account, and then core accounts. Uh, most people want more core accounts in order to get more core accounts and a core account. I look at it as an account who's buying everything you have to offer. Like you put out something new, they buy it, whether they need it or not. Right. Yeah. Um, we all want more core accounts, but where you must start is marginal accounts. You've got to figure out how do I consistently get marginal accounts? That's the one time purchases. That's the 
very initial start to the relationship because those marginal accounts grow into core accounts. No one comes in and says, hey, I want everything. Give it to me now. I, I shouldn't say no one. Some people yeah. do buy that way, but not very often. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really kind of funny that you mentioned that too. So when I'm working with my clients and we go down to their sales process, I always try and make the um, kind of dynamic difference between a customer and a client. A customer is that marginal account. You know, they buy once or twice. It's their first time. They come in and they go and then maybe they come back eventually, but they're always in and out. And then you have the client and they are there week after week after week after week or month after month after month. And they're buying every single thing that you have because they're a part of that culture, right? Uh, where it's like a cult-like following where they're just eating up every single thing that you do. And that's where you want to move people to is going from a customer to a client. I even do it with my uh, product-based business, my rum cakes where I try and work people from buying every once in a while, buying maybe once a year to buying for every single event that they have during the entire year and moving them through that process. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, so for those that have no idea about these types of accounts, why don't you kind of give the, a brief description of those four accounts? So you've already given kind of one for the marginal account, you know, the one-time purchases and then the core accounts, but those other two, why don't you explain those a little bit? So a secondary growth account comes after someone's bought a couple times, they've been a marginal account and they start to really, it, it's like you said, the difference between that customer and a client, mm -hmm. it's when they're first starting that journey into a client. There are tons of different products or services that you offer that they're not buying yet, but they're starting to buy on a regular basis. Okay. Uh, the primary growth accounts, this is the primary growth accounts are where most business comes from. Uh, when you hear a business is growing, what's happened is they've taken secondary growth accounts and started cross-selling and bringing in their other offerings at a huge level. And so now they're growing because they already have the trust. They already have that relationship. So the primary growth accounts, that's how most businesses grow 10, 30, 40 times year over year. Uh, the core accounts are what keep them there. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And it's really cool. So the, 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 a lot of the listeners that listen to this podcast are very new to entrepreneurship. A lot of them are starting businesses or want to start a business. And then I have a few seasoned people in here as well. Seasoned people give me a what, what, <laughs> wherever you're at. Um, and so it's good for them to also go back and see these different types of accounts and hear the little bit more of the definition behind things as well as it is for the brand new beginners who may not have even known about these accounts. Um, so it, it's really important for both aspects of people just to be able to dive in completely on a deeper level um, to this, to this. So, yeah. Um, so as we're kind of talking about like, you know, line rider and these different types of accounts, I know you work a lot in live events. So why don't you kind of talk about that a little bit? I'd love to. So here's the thing. Uh, any 
there's so many places I want to go. So in, <laughs> in order to get someone to make a decision, you've got to get them to change their state, their mindset, what they're thinking about, how they feel. The best way to change someone's state is through changing their environment. So that's why live events are the best way to change lives. One of my mottos is live events change lives because it's so true. Think about all of the events you've gone to. And, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever watched a webinar? And at the end of that webinar, you thought, oh my gosh, I hope they send me a replay. No. Well, no. okay. There's been one. There's been one. But other than that, and I've watched tons of webinars and I'm just kind of like, can this webinar end? Please, can this webinar end? <laughs> yes. It's so true. And yes, there definitely are exceptions. But for the most part, people on a webinar are like, all right, let's get to the end. But if you take that same content and put it in a live event experience, people at the end are like, oh my gosh. And here's why, it's because the entire environment around them has changed. Now, instead of sitting at a computer, looking at and learning something um, in a group, but mm -hmm. you're by yourself, right? Instead of sitting there at the computer, you're surrounded by like-minded individuals who are there to tackle this same problem. They're there to learn about this same issue and how to overcome it. And that fire, that passion, it, it spreads. It, that energy spreads. And that's one of the reasons why most people take more action after an event than after any sort of webinar training, podcast. Like, we can consume content tons of ways. But content for the sake of content is a waste of time. You've got to take it and implement it. That's why I love live events so much. And obviously it depends on the event, but you've got to figure out how to take what you're training. So I look at this from the mindset of I'm creating an event. If you're creating an event, you've got to take what it is you're training and you've got to position it in a way that number one, the person listening really truly cares. Number two, they can go take action right away. Like you want to give them wins. And I, one thing I have people say to me all the time, Justin, if I give away my best stuff, they won't buy from me, right? And it's a very common misconception. And here's the truth. When you give away your best stuff, what people think is, holy cow, that guy is really smart. I should probably buy from him, right? Yeah, because, it, and they may not understand too that you just gave away some of your best stuff. They may think it's like, if you gave this away for free, what the heck are you hiding behind the curtain? Because I want in on that. <laughs> yeah. It is so true. It is so true. And the other thing, how many good ideas have you had? Like business ideas um, or had someone come talk to you and tell you about their idea that you're like, wow, that's a great idea. Uh, all the time. Lots. Tons. <laughs> right? Tons. So great ideas 
are not lacking. The only no. thing that lacks is implementation and execution. So that's why people hire people like you and me is because our process is not around, here's a great idea, it's around, here, let's get some freaking results because that's what you need. And that's yeah. where implementation comes into play. Yeah, no, it, implementation is so unbelievably crucial. When I work with uh, businesses on their developmental side, we're always looking at becoming aware of it, rating it, and then working to implement it and then creating accountability around it to make sure that it was actually implemented. Because with the first two steps, like creating awareness and then rating it, okay, is this a need or a want? And then actually working and implementing it. If that implementation doesn't work or doesn't happen, nothing else happens. So, and I love too how you're talking about live events change lives. It's so unbelievably true. Um, the amount of conferences that I try to go to is ridiculous. I try and go to like two to three conferences a year. Um, I've already gone to two this year. Last year, I went to three. One of the best ones last year was in Dallas. We had 80 speakers, 80 speakers over three days. It was absolutely insane but it absolutely changed the life of the team that I was there with. Um, it changed my perspective. It changed the connections that I had, the relationships that I had. It drastically changed a lot of different areas for the better and improved um, and transformed a lot of areas as well. So no, it's very, very true that live events are life-changing. So what type of businesses would really benefit from doing a live event? Great question. And here's the funny thing. Every business should do a live event. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, so there, there are, so ever heard of a company called Brookshire Hathaway? Uh, yes. Warren Buffett, right? Huge company. They have an annual event every year. Mm. It's huge. Like go look it up. Um, it's their annual shareholder conference. Amazing, like the stuff they do. And you wouldn't think of a stock brokerage or whatever he wants to call his company as an event company, but they've got one. Coca-Cola has events. Um, there's Disney, Disney does events. So events work for every business. And those are big businesses. Let's talk about small businesses. I have a friend who only runs events and he does over a million dollars a year through events. That's amazing. Right? It's crazy. But here's why is because he can bring people together, yeah. create an event around a very specific outcome. So if you're thinking about doing an event, first, there's multiple ways to do an event. Um, I look at two main categories. Number one, are you doing a sales event? Is this event designed to move people through your value ladder? Hey, Justin, never met you. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Come to this event. At the event, I provide a ton of value and make an offer at the end, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The second type of, of event I call an implementation event. This is an event where someone has already paid for it and they're coming to get something out of it. 
So for example, you could do um, just throwing spaghetti at the wall. You could do a branding event. As come for six days, we'll, we've got our branding experts, we've got our uh, photographer, our B-roll, like we'll create your entire brand. And at the end of this event, you leave with your brand done. Yeah. So that's more of an implementation event. There's really not a sale at the end. Yeah. So yeah. You want to figure out which type of event do you want to do? And most people, when I first talk to them, they're like, ah, I want to do an event. And then they're like, I want to put a thousand people in the room. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't. No. <laughs> I promise you, you don't. <laughs> oh, so if you've never done an event, Here's my recommendation, okay? Get out your calendar right now, right now. Unless you're driving, don't do it if you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> um, get out your calendar, look two months in advance, two months, pick a day, do it right now. Take action, guys, this is not about just us talking. Take action, two months, pick a day, okay? One day event, just a one day. Mark it, put it on your calendar in this event. Your goal is to get five people, okay? Not 50, not 100. Your goal is to get five people. And just do your first thing. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Because what you have can provide an immense amount of value. Yeah. But you've got to take action. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so, so true. Um, and it's really kind of cool too, because I'm thinking, so I own a couple of businesses. One of them is my coaching business. And the other one is a luxury rum cake business where I infuse different types of alcohol into cakes. And so I, I've never thought about doing live events for my rum cake business. For my coaching business, absolutely, I'm gonna do live events. Um, I even wanna do conferences, I wanna do quarterly retreats, which is more of that implementation style event. But I've been thinking too, it's like as we're having this conversation, like doing a couple events for the rum cakes, which I think would just be really cool. Are you open to being open with your audience? We could dive in and see what kind of event we could come up with for a rum cake business. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so first question would be, uh, who's the best buyer? So uh, for the audience, what I'm thinking through is the first thing you wanna do is figure out who do you want in the seats? So who's the best buyer for your rum cake business? So the best buyer um, would be wives or um, what's it called, real estate agents. Because real estate agents have an enormous amount of clientele that they're continuously giving gifts for. My rum cakes, especially the mini size, are phenomenal for gifts. And then when it comes to parties, the person that's always in charge of bringing the dessert or in charge of finding a dessert is the wives. So it'd be wives and real estate agents. Okay. Awesome. So that makes me think of another uh, vertical that you could look at okay. is customer appreciation. Yeah. Right. Because, and that's why you mentioned real estate agents, but take every business out there wants to be top of mind. 
right? Yeah. They want to be the first person you think of. So you could take real estate agents and um, another thought that goes through my head is we want someone who's not necessarily looking for the cheapest cake, right? Yeah. Because that's not what we do. We want someone who sees the value in an experience, sees the value of giving something great. So if you created an event, I would sell it if you sell it to the customer service side of things, customer appreciation side, now we're selling into the wealth market. People are yeah. more willing to spend money on wealth. So you sell it to the wealth market and you create an event on um, making your clients stick, making your clients think about you when you're not in front of them, something like that. And you could go to attorneys, you could go to accountants, you could go put, like you could put a bunch of different types of businesses in the room yeah, and make it all about how, not about selling the rum cake. So yeah. here, here's the thing, it's about getting the outcome that when they buy the rum cake, they get. So yeah. you make it all about how do I go in and get my clients to think about me on a consistent basis. For example, uh, one of my clients, he's a dentist, um, and he gave my wife a gift of this loofah. Uh, he lives by the ocean, and it's like an amazing loofah, apparently. And so my <laughs> wife said to me one day, she's like, you know what? Every time I take a shower, I think of my client, right? Yeah. And, and so I talked to him and I was like, dude, my wife thinks about you all the time when she's showering. And it's because you gave this loofah. Yeah. And so now he gives this same loofah. It's, it's not super expensive. It's like 10, 15 bucks. He gives yeah. it to all his new clients. Now, what would it do for a dentist's office if every single morning your clients thought about you? When someone asks for a referral for a dentist, who are they going to refer? Yeah. So creating that process, figuring out how can, how can we take something like that and twist it for the rum cake business yeah. and put an entire event on, I think. And then at the end, you sell a subscription to, hey, it's thousand bucks a month. You get 50 rum cakes delivered wherever you want, however you want, we make it special, whatever, right? You come up with an offer around the rum cakes that are going to accomplish the mission you just trained everybody on for a day. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things too. So what that's actually doing is creating a trigger that reminds them of a certain, um, aspect right like when we think of hump day we think of wednesday right every time we hear wednesday we think of hump day and that's that trigger going back to the commercial no shave november every time we think of november we think of no shave november which goes back to the trigger for the nonprofit organization um so it's creating that trigger within the client um and as far as the rum cakes go one of the best things to create triggers is if you send your clients a rum cake during the holiday season and they take it to a party 
the number one thing they're everybody's gonna ask where did you get this from and they're gonna say oh my real estate agent sent me this cake or my um whoever it may be right so and so sent me this cake and now they're the topic of conversation during that event with all of their friends so yeah no that's that's actually really genius <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, as you can see, events could work for a rum cake business. They yeah. can work, uh, they work really well for service businesses. Yeah. Um, I've got clients in the remodeling space yeah. and they uh, quarterly, what they do is they have a private chef come in and they invite five couples, so 10 people total, into their showroom with this private chef and they do cooking and right create yeah. this whole meal but they have this amazing experience and it's referral only so they're getting referrals from their past clients for this cooking event done at their showroom right and here's the great thing about like that they don't have to sell anything all they have to do is be themselves yeah and that's what most people get in their own way because they're thinking, oh, what do I sell? How do I sell it? No, all you need to do most of the time is just be yourself. Go out there and love on people, love on the world, show them what you've got and take them on a journey and they're going to want to hire you. Yeah, it, it's really true. I love that, man. I just... Everything like we've been talking about, like I really, really hope everybody that's listening is taking an immense amount of notes um, because if you're not, you need to put this on replay and listen to it again and again and again until you can recite it if you're not going to take notes. <laughs> Heck yeah. So as we kind of talk about events, you know, events are not without challenges. Um, what are a couple of common challenges that people run into when wanting to host an event. Even something that is super small, as in they don't even have an event space, they're running it at their house, or they have an event space, um, and it's, it's a larger group of people. What are some of the kind of common struggles that people, or challenges people may go through? So first thing I wanna say is when putting on an event, most people say, oh my gosh, I don't want to do anything wrong. It needs to be perfect. Yeah. So if I was in front of you, I'd slap you upside the head <laughs> and be like, listen, it won't be perfect. I was at, uh, you're familiar with the name Tony Robbins, I'm yes. guessing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm at a Tony Robbins event with 5,000 people who all paid over $5,000 to be in the room. And yeah. they had microphone issues. They had communication issues. They had tons of problems. Okay. I say that because your event, especially your first ones, probably going to have a lot of problems, but that's okay. Okay. Don't let that be the reason you don't take action. Okay. Because even when events have a problem, they're still 10 times better than a perfect webinar or a perfect one-on-one uh, -on -one sales call or whatever right because yeah. of the experience so first first thing i run into with people is they put their event off over and over and over again because they're afraid of problems embrace the problems second 
The only person who really knows the agenda is you, okay? You are the only person who really knows the agenda, knows what you wanna cover. Don't, and one of my advice when I'm coaching people who want to put on their own events, don't get in your head about the agenda. Be free flowing, especially small events. Small events, super easy to do this with. Large events, like once you're 50 plus people, you can't really do it this way. Yeah. But again, I'm not, I'm telling you don't do 50 plus. <laughs> Especially you not for do... your first event. <laughs> yes, never for your first event. Uh, you wanna be free flowing, which means you wanna go in there and you wanna take people where they need to go. So for example, I have a lot of knowledge. I've got a lot of experience in sales and marketing and coaching and hiring. Like I can help people with a lot of different stuff. But if I put on an event because of what I want to train, is it going to help the people who came that need something else? Right? So when I do my events, it's always about what does the client need? So keep that in mind. And if they ask questions, uh, I see uh, the agenda as a backup. If I get in the room and people are like, yeah. <laughs> right? That's when the agenda comes in and I'm like, all right, this is where we're going. But once questions start flying, that creates the agenda. So be willing to go where your clients need. Because here's the thing, you can force your agenda, but if you go where your clients need, where they want to go, they will get 10 times more out of it and you will have raving fans. Yeah. At the end, people will be like, oh my gosh, you guys, you've got to go to Colton's event. He's a genius, he's brilliant, Yeah. right? Yeah. You look like the rock star. So that's another thing I would recommend. Don't focus so much on your agenda. Focus on your client's problems and why did you bring them there? Yeah, no, and it's so important. It's really funny. So I'm a part of the Toastmasters group and I don't know if you know what that is, but mm -hmm. it's an international organization that's a nonprofit that helps coach people in creating and getting really comfortable with giving speeches. Um, and so last week I gave a speech to this group and afterwards we always do an evaluation and the final kind of consensus that we kind of ended up talking about was making sure that we're tailoring the speech to the audience. I had spoken on a very, um, kind of touchy subject, especially being down here in Texas, you don't want to talk too much about it. Um, there are certain topics and big speeches that you don't really talk about, especially when it comes to like sexuality, religion, taxes, um, pol politics, politics, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. And so we were basically just kind of talking and it's like, when you go to competition or when you get to the bigger audiences or even in these types of live events, you don't tailor your speech to how you want to tailor your speech. You tailor your speech to who you're talking to. And you have to be able to do that. And the way that you're able to do that is to be free flowing. So it's really cool it. how a lot of this stuff is just kind of lining up. I love it. Yeah. And there's, 
here's the thing with live events guys um i don't want to make it seem more complicated than it is yeah because truth be told it is not like you could literally next saturday right let's today's monday i don't know what day you're listening to it but today's monday next saturday like six days from now you could put a three-hour event on your calendar, host it in your home, invite local business people, local people around your mission, around your product, what you do, and do an event. Like, don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. And the hardest thing by far with events, hardest thing is butts and seats. Like, it's getting the people there. I, I talk to a lot of people who the first thing they do, they put an event two months down the road on the calendar and they're like, all right, Justin, I'm doing it. And they go reserve their venue space. Nine times out of 10, you can get the venue space three days before your event. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't worry about venue space. Don't worry about anything until about a week out, except how do I get the butts and seats? Yes. So that is, if you're going to do an event, focus right now. How do I get my butts and seats? Once it gets closer or as you're going through the process, it's fun to dream. It's fun to find that place. Uh, my personal favorite is using Airbnb yeah. and I do in-house masterminds because wow. then you can really control the experience and it makes it more than just getting up on stage at a hotel or whatever. So however you want to do it, just don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, no, and I love it. And, and on that topic of getting butts and seats, and I'm sure you have some really good advice as far as helping people to do that. Um, I know for me, whenever I work on getting people to an event. I used to work in network marketing. Um, and so one of the biggest things that we always had to do was getting butts in seats. And so the best way that I found to do that was either getting on a phone with someone, or if I had to do it through social media, not sending regular text messages, but voice messages, and then creating an event on Facebook to be able to invite people out to it. And then just continuously talking to that person um, either until they say yes that they're coming or know that they're not coming and they give you a definitive answer one way or the other and then just moving on and consistently like budgeting out like an hour a day to filling butts and seats and that's all you're doing for that hour is just filling butts and seats um, for that event. Oh no 100% agree um, butts and seats uh, for especially for small events like this uh, you don't really need paid traffic like <laughs> It's, it's going to depend on who you're like, there are so many variables. Uh, I hate making blanket statements, but I do because I'm human. Uh, <laughs> but you don't need paid traffic. What you need is number one, identify who that best person is to be in your seats. Yeah. Number two, reach out to all of your acquaintances who fit that person. Number three, reach out to them again and ask for referrals. 
Like people go straight to cold traffic all the time. Cold traffic mm. is the hardest to convert. Yeah, that's so, no fun. It's no fun. It sucks. Uh, go to your warm market. Ask for referrals. Ask for introductions. Heck, you can um, you can make some flyers and go door to door. Yeah, like it. It really depends on what you're selling at the end of the event. If it would be profitable to do that, but here's the thing. There are not a lot of door-to-door callers anymore. Fair to say. So when you do that, people are like, wait, am I, I was, right? You will get way further in an in-person cold call than on a phone cold call just because of curiosity. People are like, they're here? What? So. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, one of my good friends, when he was starting his business, um, going on, oh, geez, almost five years now, and he's now built it into an international organization. I think he's got like 2,000 team members, a part of his team and his organization. It's, it's massive in the network marketing industry. But still, when he was first getting started, he did door to doors throughout his entire neighborhood. And he did that for months to build the foundation for his business. Um, and it takes people back because they're not used to that anymore. Now, I'm not saying go door to door in your neighborhood, um, but if you have specific businesses that are in your local area that could really benefit from your products or services, going and setting up a meeting with the owner or taking the owner out to coffee to have that one-on-one in person is going to shock the living hell out of them. And they're going to be like, wait, okay. So you came into my business to request a meeting with me to take me to coffee to just talk. Uh, Okay. I'm really curious. What is this about? Right? Like you said, creating that curiosity by just being in person and then kind of going from there. Totally. And that actually reminds me um, through my experiences. Um, have you ever heard the term an internet business, right? Yes. <laughs> Everybody wants an internet business. They want a business where I can sit at home in my underwear and when I wake up, bing, oh, I made money last night, right? Call it roll out of bed money. <laughs> roll out of bed money. Yeah, that, that is the dream. Okay. And it is very possible. But if you want to do it, the best way to start is not by trying to create roll out of bed money. Yeah. That is the hardest way to start. Yeah. So if you want to get to that place where you get roll out of bed money, You've got to start by doing the legwork, doing the groundwork that we're talking about here. You've got to start by serving the heck out of people. I always recommend, always, 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 if you're starting a business right now, your first product should be somewhere between a thousand and five or ten thousand dollars. Like, do not start small because in order to make ten thousand dollars a month, selling a hundred dollar product, you have to sell a hundred people. And if you want to do that again next month, you probably need another hundred people. Yep. It's really hard. Whereas if you just sold one person a $10,000 
product or service makes it way easier. So yeah. do not start chasing that roll out of bed money. That is the fastest way to go broke yeah. and to destroy your family's relationship, your family's finances. Like, yeah. There are a lot of problems when that is your goal from day one versus I know tons. So uh, mutual mentor, Russell Brunson, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Russell Brunson has built this huge company, huge following. He could launch. So right now he focuses on internet marketing. He could launch, let's say a fitness program and call it Russell Brunson Fitness. Yeah. And he could do sell $20 a month membership and do a million dollars in the next week. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because he has the framework. He has yeah. the following. People see that and they say, Russell can do it. As Steven Larson, who works very closely with Russell, he was Russell's right-hand man for two years before going to launch his own business. Now, Right-hand man means he has all of Russell's contacts. He was put on stages with Russell. He has a ton of notoriety, a ton. Yeah. Right? It still took him over a year to pass the million dollar mark, which I am not trying to take anything away from what he's done. It's freaking amazing. But I am saying, with that knowledge, with those resources and that experience, it still took him that long. You yeah. went through one funnel away. You think you're better than that? He teaches one funnel away, right? Yeah. So don't, don't get overcome by this roll out of bed money goal when really what you need is a feed my family goal. So yeah. that's just for those people working on starting a business. Yeah. Uh, well, it it's, it's like chasing the, uh, the money bunny, right? Mm -hmm. So the money bunny is like moving left and right and going all over the place. And when you're chasing those little sales, those $100 sales, $10 sales, $5 sales, you're, you're constantly going. It's like, oh, I can make a sale here. Oh, I can make a sale over there. Oh, I can make a sale here and there. And you're just going insane because you're always looking for that next little bit of the, the pie. Whereas if you do, you go for those bigger ticket clients. You're like, okay, here is my focus. This is what I'm doing. And this is who I'm helping. Then you're not having to like every few seconds be looking for something new, right? Like chasing the shiny objects, um, hopping from one thing to the next and to the next and the next. It's uh, something I saw all the time in network marketing. People would hop from one company to the next. Even as entrepreneurs, I see it all the time. People will start one business and then I'll talk to them two months later and like, oh, but now I'm doing this business. And then another two months later and they're doing a new business. And it's just yeah. hopping from thing to thing to thing because something's new or shinier or it looks better income wise. Um, no, it's like yeah. dig down and focus in on, on those areas. Specifically, like we were talking about, like a $1,000 sales or a $5,000 sale. Um, I used to really focus on my beginner level training, which is $20 a month that access to for my Facebook group and all of the courses that I've created and then a few lives that I do versus my expert level coaching, which is $5,000. And I used to have that flipped where I would focus more on the beginner versus I would the expert. And so when I made that switch, though, going from beginner to expert, 
oh my gosh, it was a whole other world and it was so much easier. And it's crazy. It was so much easier to sell someone on a $5,000 product versus a $20 a month product, especially as I was getting started. So, so much easier. It is. And people look at that and they're so dumbfounded. They're like, how is that possible to sell someone on $5,000 versus $20? Yeah, it's because of the mindset of the actual individual that you're selling to and the value that you're bringing. Right, exactly. And that's so if you're looking at starting a business done for you, people pay for because yes. not only are you selling a service, you're also selling time. You mean I don't have to go learn this, figure it out. You'll just learn and do it for me. Right. So if you're starting a business, a done for you service of some kind is way easier to sell than a coaching program, right? Yeah. Oh, spend five grand, I'll coach you up, tell you how to do it. Or so like right now, I'm focused on, I'm bringing in a couple clients at five grand a month that I'm doing done for you sales and marketing, which means we build the plan and execute it together. And then I implement it rather than they implement it, right? Way easier to sell that than, hey, spend a thousand a month with me and I'll coach you up. I'll talk you through what you need to do, right? Yeah, that, that's so true too. And But it's a good segue too, as you're getting started, the done for you and then moving into the coaching afterwards. Huge, huge. Because yeah. here's the thing with done for you, incredibly unscalable. Like it is a oh, yeah. pain in the freaking real yep. rear, but you can sell it. So yeah. get your teeth cut, learn the process, learn what you do, how you do it with done for you. Go sell two, three, maybe four clients, cover all your bills and use them to build out your course and your coaching program. Yeah. And then use the money they're paying you to go out, fund the creation and the sale of that course, eventually you can sell your way out of done for you. But don't try to start with coaching and then figure out how to sell it enough to cover all your bills and take care of your family and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So in closing, um, what's one piece of advice and, and you have given an insane amount of advice and coaching and amazing, amazing information. I hope that everybody has gotten some awesome gold nuggets out of this. But what is one piece of advice that you could give to the entrepreneurs or the people that are listening to this podcast to help them crush their goals of implementing this on a daily basis? So here's the thing the best advice i can give you is if you don't believe in you no one else will mm -hmm. why would i ever pay money to someone who doesn't believe in themselves right yeah. so my advice is spend most of your time getting right with your head on the value you will bring. That, if you wanna start a business, that is where you start. 
this value is it would be ridiculous for someone not to hire me like right now it, it is ridiculous for someone to say ah, I, no the amount of value i bring to the table is astronomical right you've yeah. got to have that focus and that belief and then it will come through in your sales calls yes if, it will if you go in there and you say well i mean i think i can help you I've got some ideas. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll, right? No, all of that comes through. You've got to have an unwavering belief in yourself. Mm -hmm. So I can believe in you, but even if I believe in you and you don't, it doesn't do you any good. Yes, absolutely on that. Self-belief is undeniably required um to go big and to really take your business to where you want it to go and even really to start as well um, oh yeah that's awesome and, and it's the hardest when you are starting guys yes like yeah like so like i started with you know this whole lion rider idea and people think once revenue is coming in life gets easier it doesn't right no longer is revenue the problem You've got bigger problems. You've yeah. got more problems. So you will always be a lion rider if you go out and join, start your own business. But that's yeah. okay. Yeah, it, it's funny. I was um, one of the earlier podcast interviews, and I think it was the one before this one. Um, I interviewed a guy who grew his business from zero to eight figures in five years. And we talked a little bit about that. I was like, okay, so like when you're starting out, what were some of the struggles? And then are there still struggles as you've hit eight figures? And he's like, oh my gosh, yes. Uh, it does not end as far as the struggles go, but you get better and the challenges just change. They're just new challenges that come up um, in, in whatever aspect of business it may be. So I love that. Continue to be a lion rider and you'll be a lion rider all the way through your business. So yeah. Justin, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Um, I know I absolutely enjoyed having you on. Um, if, for those of you that are listening, if you enjoyed this as well, make sure you, that you take a screenshot of this. You post it up on your social media and tag us at TTDTLF. I'd love to give you a shout out. If you haven't already done so, make sure to go over to iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast and leave a five-star review if you felt like you got some value today. Justin, anything else that you want to leave the audience with? I freaking love you guys. Awesome. Don't forget it. <laughs> Amen to that. We all love you. We hope you all have a phenomenal day and we'll talk to you all soon.